Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. So each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris. And first of all, special shout out and thank you to Newsstand Studio at Rockefeller Center in New York City for producing my podcast. What a freaking honor. I'm so grateful. You can follow along with Rockefeller Center on Twitter at RockCenterNYC or Instagram at Rockefeller Center. They're doing a ton of fun things for the holidays. So be sure and just follow along. Next... My Patreon community is freaking killing it right now. You can go to patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. I like to say that Patreon is the community that I have on the interwebs. That is my most raw, unedited (laughs) version of myself. The things that I'm not ready to talk publicly about on the podcast or on Instagram, I am hashing out in community on Patreon. So for instance, I did a couple things recently on Patreon that I've never done before. I did a vlog and I actually called it a vlog <laughs> last time because I'm so bad at whatever vlog, whatever it is. But basically, I have been a full-time photographer for 15 years and I take you through 20 hours of my life in New York City on a vlog or vlog, however you say it. And then last week, I was in LA for 48 hours doing a shoot for an incredible fashion designer, Monique Lulier. And so I did a vlog about that. I'm also doing a ton of personal research right now on LGBTQ plus issues in the church. So I'm reading as many books as possible and doing book reviews of them on my Patreon community. I recently did the book review of Gay Girl, Good God by Jackie Hill Perry. And I am launching this week the book review for Out Love, a queer Christian story by Julie Rogers, who I actually happened to go to high school with. So such an incredible story that this girl has. So if you want to learn more about Patreon or join the community, you can join for as little as $3 a month, patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. We are supported by Satya Jewelry. I am such a fan of dainty, delicate, and feminine jewelry. I also am a firm believer that the physical is always an invitation to the spiritual. This is why I'm so excited to be partnering with New York City female-founded jewelry company, Satya Jewelry. Satya means truth in Sanskrit. 
And Satya Jewelry has been creating inspiring, spiritual, and intentional jewelry since 2002. Satya Jewelry creates beautiful, spiritual pieces using sacred and meaningful symbols and semi-precious gemstones renowned for their healing properties. Cast in sterling silver and 18 gold plate, each Satya Jewelry design is created to bring joy, peace, and hope as a celebration of all backgrounds. I am currently wearing the Eternal Seeker Choker Necklace. It's so feminine. I love it so much. It's gold-plated with these beautiful Labradorite gems throughout. And the intention behind the gemstone is imagination, perseverance, and truth, which I know I could use some more of that in my life, y'all. In partnership with the Satya Foundation, Satya Jewelry has helped raise over $1 million in donations to help empower and support children worldwide through social and economic initiatives. To dive into the beautiful world of Satya Jewelry, visit www.satyajewelry.com and use promo code RC15 for 15% off your first order. That's www.satya jewelry.com with promo code RC15. Today, we have a dear friend of mine, Andy Andrew. You might recognize her name because she was on the podcast last year and we talked all about dream interpretation. So if you want to know all about dream interpretation, check the show notes because we will link her episode. If you are not familiar with Andy, she is the author of She Is Free, the book, also the conference series, (laughs) Fake or Follower. And her newest book that has recently come out is called Friendship, It's Complicated. Man, don't I know that? She is also the founding pastor of Liberty Church, a multi-site church she pioneered with her husband, Paul, in 2010. In 2015, she launched She Is Free, a movement that exists to engage and equip women to encounter God and expand the kingdom. Currently, Andy's life is focused on raising her four kids in Brooklyn, writing books, creating her show and podcast, Coffee with Andy, building Liberty Church, and traveling to invest in churches and lives all around the world. Without, oh, also, maybe the most important thing about Andy Andrew is she and Beyonce have the same birthday. <laughs> every time, every time. <laughs> if you're on my podcast or if I'm on yours, you're like, oh, <laughs> Oh my gosh. How can I ever forget? <sighs> oh, you don't. You like message me every year. Even if everyone else forgets, I get a shout out every year from you. <laughs> I mean, you have the same birthday as Beyonce. I just, I'm literally smiling from ear to ear because <laughs> I am so happy that you get to like have this special bond with Beyonce. Yeah. You know, and I just, I feel like I'm just a little bit older than her and I just feel very honored that she decided to be born on my birthday. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Are you basically her mentor? Are you Beyonce's mentor? <laughs> I don't think so, but I eat at some of the same places she does when oh she'll gosh. come into my neighborhood. So oh. if anybody is ever in my neighborhood in Brooklyn, I just have to say, look up Buttermilk Channel and Lucali. Those are two places where if you never know. She may, frequents. Yeah. You may brush shoulders with her. I never have yep. personally, but I, I always tend to show up and they're like, she was here yesterday. I'm like, of course yeah. she was. Dang it. I missed Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my roommate, when I lived in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, she went to Lucali's, which was a block away from where we lived. And yep. she doesn't even like Beyonce. <laughs> and she came back and was like, guess who sat next to me at Stop. dinner all night? Stop. And she was like, Beyonce and Jay-Z. And I said, and 
you did not think to call me? Call me? Come over? What I is was wrong with away. you? Yeah, we're three, we're three blocks away. And then they just oh opened gosh. up Baby Luke's, which is like another another, what do you call it? Subsidiary. So there's more Mm. pizza close to me. Like it's on my block. I mean, this is very dangerous when my cheat food is pizza and bagels and I live in New York city. It's, oh my God. You know what I mean? So yeah, I do know exactly what you mean. (laughs) Uh, The pizza, the pizza game in New York is strong. I'll say that. Even the cheap pizza. You're like, why, why is it still so good? I don't understand. And I feel so good about my life choices right now. (laughs) Okay. Also you, I was, you know, I'm always watching your Instagram stories. You just had a rom-com day, a rom-com movie day. I did with my daughter because she's 13 now. And so I, it's like this weird thing where she has gotten into watching similar movies as I do. And we just, we needed to have a pleb day. You know, I've been traveling so much and I was like, let's keep our PJs on. Let's walk up to CVS embarrassingly in our PJs. And we walked past baby Luke's and I was like, hello, Luke Holly. Yeah. (laughs) We're just, we're wearing our PJ game really strong. Mm -hmm. And we watched the rom-coms and it, even a few of my sons joined. I'm not going to lie to you. They pretended they didn't care, but they, they snuck up and sat with us. They totally care. Yeah. (laughs) What are your go-to rom-coms? Like top three? Well, you know, what's funny is I am not a movie repeater. So I don't like to watch. I know I'm one of those weirdos. I was just talking to um, my roommate Kaylee about it. She rereads books and rewatches movies. And I'm like, I don't know how you do it, but now Apparently, I'm going to start rewatching rom coms because my daughter's into them. So we watched Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> yes. Uh, yep. Why do you want to marry me? <laughs> why? Do I can you- kiss you anytime uh, I want. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. So I was like, oh, this is, and it was like 2002. So even as I'm watching it, I'm like, that's the year 9 11 was. That's the year that movie came out, and they had to do like mm. the opening shot with the skyline all change. So, mm. you know, little things you notice. But, yeah. um, and the outfits, I was like, wow, we dressed like this. Okay, cool. Um, oh, yeah. and so, yeah, we watched Sweet Home Alabama. We watched The Holiday. <laughs> yes. Uh. Yes. And then I'm blanking on what the last one was called. It had Ashton Kutcher and, um, oh, Catherine Heigl in it. And he's like an assassin. And my, what? my son chose this one and I'm totally, and Tom Selleck's in it. Someone Google what? all of these people and IMDb them together. But um, how funny that I'm totally, I'm totally blanking. But my son goes, "Can we watch that one?" I was like, "Yeah." It's called Killers. I there, just looked it up. Just it's looked called it up. Killers. Yeah. Okay. So that was the last one. We <laughs> lit. I can't believe we watched three movies. I never do that, oh but gosh. it was it was nice. I mean, I made the homemade popcorn from scratch. We got yes, snacks we and the peanut M Ms, which I have to mix together with mm. my popcorn. So of I course. was, you know, it was a good day. <laughs> just living your dream, living the best life. Yeah. Love it. Well, I'm excited to have you on. We're gonna we're we're gonna talk about your book, Friendship. It's complicated, mm-hmm. but really, I just want to talk to my friend about my friend problems that I have been Let's having. Let's have a conversation about it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like, well, first, I just want to make sure I'm not the only one. And also, if this hasn't been your experience, that's totally fine. But my friendships have shifted so much in the last year and a half since the pandemic started. Yeah. And it's been super painful and also confusing. And I had in the last, honestly, in the last six months, Mm -hmm. my three closest people in New York City, I am no longer friends with. And I'm so sorry. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. It's been, and and it all happened for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But I think in that, I don't want to just say, well, it's all their problem, right? Like, you know, I'm the common denominator in every situation, but I just wondered if other people have been struggling with friendships as much as I have in the last few years. I mean, I honestly think every single person that's listening has. And Mm. I know that I have. I mean, I know it's like different because there's been some things there's been as a as a pastor and a leader of a church, there's been positional changes and relationships that I thought would be in my world forever that are no longer. But then even some friendships that have greatly shifted over the last Mm. year and a half. And I think we have walked through a collective grief as a people, um, like every listener for some reason or another, for various reasons as well. That's the thing is, it's Mm. not that we just grieved when we went into isolation, there's been a mass migration of people across the earth. There has Mm -hmm. been loss of relationships. There's there's been loss of actual people in our lives that have died over these last, this last year and a half. There have been, um, so many different things where we are walking through a collective grief and friendships and relationships are definitely a major one. And I know even for me, like one of the things that I I just really felt like the Holy Spirit say to me is that the degradation of relationships are the destruction of the people. If the mm-hmm. enemy can come to steal, kill, and destroy um, and break down our relationships, then a people are dispersed and lost. And wh- I mean, the community of believers, at, there's no greater time than now than to come together and rebuild that which has been broken, but it's also probably the most difficult that it's ever been to step back into relationship because of broken trust and loss and pain. So yeah, Yeah. it's everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. And I think something that I have been walking through, and I actually did a question box on my Instagram stories and had people send in questions about friendship Mm. and friendship breakups Mm -hmm. on Instagram last week. And I got over a hundred (laughs) questions. And so I kind of brought in like the top few questions, which were actually the top questions that I had as well. And I don't know if this is just for single people. I actually don't think it is. But I think maybe especially as a single person... No, I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say as humans, we long for permanence right? Like we long for the transcendent. We long for something to last a lifetime or something to last forever. And as a single person who is not in a relationship, who longs to be in a relationship and is surrounded by these really good friendships and to have some of those break or end or feel ghosted Mm. and like, wait, what? what? That's weird, We hung out every day and now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden we never talk anymore. Like, should I reach out to you? Are you going to reach out to me? Like, am I giving you space? And what I have found is that friendship breakups can feel just as confusing, just as heartbreaking and disorienting as a romantic relationship. 100%. Mm-hmm. And part of me is like, is that codependency? Or, I mean, I'm sure codependency can be a part of that, but have you seen that in your friendships mm-hmm. or in your community as well? And why? If so, why do friendship breakups feel as hard as is a romantic loss? Well, they feel as hard. And I think you you know, preempted this and said a lot of things we do long for permanence. We long for covenant friendships, something that does last forever. And Mm -hmm. I think we logically know, because we can look back over our lives, like there are some childhood friends we're not friends with anymore. There are some people in high school where we're not friends with anymore, college and so on and so forth. So we know that there is also seasonal friendships, seasons and purpose in different friendships. But when there's a friendship breakup and you Mm -hmm. do get ghosted in a relationship, the pain 
is so, so difficult because what we do then is we imagine scenarios as to why it happened. And so we Mm -hmm. fill the gaps, not with usually trust, but with like, um, drama or what happened or what did I do? And then if you Mm -hmm. try to reach out and have like a civil conversation and it's not returned, yeah. It's so deeply painful. And then you find yourself on your own trying to process this relationship that it makes no sense. Cause I think, I think when it comes to a relationship with another guy, like if you're dating, you're like, you know, that if you're, if there's not a ring on your finger and you're not walking down the aisle and you're not married in mm-hmm. your mind, you're like, there is an opportunity. We, we could break up. I don't want to, but with a friend, you're not thinking that. You're not right. thinking, I'm going to get ghosted by this person or mm-hmm. it's going to get weird between us. And so then when it does, and the pain is so wild. And I think a lot yeah. of times it can be from unspoken expectations um, yeah. that we have of one another or unmet needs that we have from one another that we never said to one another. I mean, there's various reasons that we all mm-hmm. have walked through friendship breaks up, breakups. And I don't know how much you want to share, but we can walk yeah. through any of this together because I've had multiple different reasons why they've happened. And I've had reconciliation in some of those Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can definitely share one of of the situations that happened this year was this was a person that we... You know when you meet those people and you're like, oh my gosh, this is my soulmate. We're best friends instantly. <laughs> yes. Anne of Green Gables. And yes. You're like, yes. <laughs> but then sometimes you're friends with a person and it's six months down the road, a year down the road, and you're like, wait, I think this is like my girl, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it just, I think that's one of the things I love about friendship is we don't put pressure on friendship the way we do with dating. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh my gosh, I'm going to hang out with this new friend. No. Are they going to be yeah. my best friend or not? You know, yeah. it's, oh, well, we went to do spin class and that was fun. See you later. (laughs) Yeah. But that was my friendship with this girl is Mm -hmm. it just kind of slowly happened. We had a lot of the same world and we had similar work patterns. So we would work together a lot. Mm -hmm. And by the time the pandemic hit, we were, we hung out every single day. It was just... We lived near each other. We would work together. We'd go work out together. We had, you know, similar friend groups, all of that. And we were also at a place in both of our lives where we were both doing like a ton of therapy and a ton of work. Pandemic happens. I get trapped in Texas for, you know, three months unexpectedly. And that was kind of the sort of the beginning of the, I don't know, fracture, I would say. And then I go from, oh, I see this person every day to talking with them, but not as much. And then more and more time goes by. Then I go back to New York and the friendship just feels different. And I was also in the process of moving. And I think for both of us, we just are in such different life seasons right now. Mm -hmm. And I realized with I realized just in general that I struggle with boundaries and it, a huge reason is because I, the home I grew up in, addiction, codependency. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I have found that like with friends that have really good boundaries, I can really speak my truth very well. <laughs> but if that person also has bad boundaries, I have a harder time. It can get messy. Mm-hmm. It can get just really messy. So basically what happened is... I just stopped hearing from her. Mm. And I have I felt so hurt by it. But then I thought, well, I'm also not reaching out to her. Yeah. And then I also thought, gosh, I don't even think our friendship is healthy as it stands right now. 
And I honestly don't even know if I could have a conversation with her from a healthy place and hold my boundary. Wow. Yeah. And so, because I feel like I can really get sucked into her stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I don't want to ghost her. She's ghosting me, but I'm also realizing I kind of ghosted her too. (laughs) And I was talking with my therapist and I was like, I really miss her, but I also feel like our season of friendship is probably over. Mm. And I don't know how to communicate that without getting into the whirlpool of what looks like, what seems like our friendship probably was super codependent. Yeah, And so I feel like that feels super humbling for me to uh, Mm. admit because I am such a communication person and I'm not a victim to being ghosted. I could totally have a conversation with her. Yeah. But I feel like I've, I resisted that for a really long time because I felt like, I don't know. First, I felt hurt that she goes to me. <laughs> and then I felt like, man, I don't know how to hold my ground with this person because right. I look back at our friendship and realize I had really bad boundaries with this person. Yeah. So I would love to hear your thoughts. Call me out on my BS, like all the things. Well, no, even just as I listen to you, there's just a couple of things because even boundary-wise, there's only a few things really that you can do on your end anyway, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, there's no, because even hearing you go, I'm not sure that this is like a healthy relationship to step back into fully anyways. The season Mm -hmm. has changed. You live in different cities. And so I think there's just a lot of practicalities that go with that. But the first thing that I think of is always like gratitude. If there's a way where you can even, whether it's send an email or even a handwritten note or a text or a voice memo, whatever way you communicate that's normal Mm -hmm. for you and just say, hey, I just want to thank you for the years. Don't make it sound like a death letter, like this is over, like you're breaking up. But in whatever way that you could write and just say, I just want to thank you for everything that we got to share together. And I know and acknowledge the truth. I know the season Mm -hmm. has changed and we don't talk very much anymore. And you, if you feel to apologize, I'm sorry if I ghosted you in any way, but I just want to know, I appreciate you and love you and pray that this next season for you is beautiful. You could do, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You could do something to that effect, unless your therapist is like, don't you dare. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I think that someone that you're talking to on a regular basis would know really the depths of where you're at. But you're right. When it comes to you understanding, I grew up in a house full of addiction. So therefore, I know I have codependency issues and I can very um, naturally carry somebody else's stuff for them and get into cycles. You mm-hmm. Sometimes it's also the grace of God that a season changes and shifts. I've noticed yeah. that even with my own daughter, where I have watched that she's changed schools or a friend has changed schools or moved out of town where it was a damaging relationship. And she was trying to assert her boundaries and, and be assertive in the relationship and walk in health and, and speak truthfully and honestly in love. And that that friend would just knock over the fence and come mm-hmm. back into our world. And we just would pray then together and go, oh God, would you just, would you do something Lord here? Like, cause Finley was doing all she could do in her power. And honestly, I tell you what, there has been miraculous moments of shifting and changing. So sometimes it's also, I find the grace of God that something shifts and changes. But if you feel like there's an open loop that mm-hmm. you are able to close in some, somehow, some way that's healthy, um, that is with full of grace, even I'm in celebrate recovery. It's a 12 step program and I'm with a group of other pastors and it's wonderful, but making mm-hmm. amends, you make amends with someone only if it's not going to damage them further. Mm-hmm. If it's a healthy thing to do, you can make amends with God and walk in forgiveness and let somebody go. But if it's not healthy to make amends with a person 
in human person, you gotta, you gotta be careful of that too. So you just gotta weigh that up and have discernment about the right way to go in in certain relationships because they're also different too. Yeah. I I love, I love Celebrate Recovery. I'm such a fan of recovery programs. Mm -hmm. I've done Celebrate Recovery and then I've done ACA, Mm -hmm. Adult Children of Addicts. Oh, wow. It's it's so, it's kind of like Al-Anon, but it really focuses on, well, Al-Anon does as well, but I just, I loved ACA better, Mm -hmm. but it's not only for people who grow up in home with addiction, but any sort of dysfunction. But it takes it that that much deeper because for me, I'm, you know, in Celebrate Recovery as an adult child of family dysfunction and Mm -hmm. codependency. And, you know, so I love that there's something where you can go a little bit deeper on things that you know are like specific to you. That's really cool. Has this ever happened to you? You need to see a doctor. You're feeling like crap. You search and find one that looks good. And then you wait on hold to book an appointment. You rearrange your entire schedule. And when you finally go in, you find out, oh my gosh, this doctor doesn't even take my insurance. Oh my gosh. Just thinking about that stresses me out. But there's a solution. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment either in person or via video chat. You never have to wait on hold again. So whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or any other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash cat and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy and accessible. Now is the time to prioritize your health. So go to ZocDoc.com slash cat. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash cat, K-A-T, and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's ZocDoc.com slash cat. As a culture, we're taught to do really kind of whatever it takes to advance our career. We'll invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into our education. We'll take intern jobs with little to no pay for the experience. If you're like me, you will have moved cross country multiple times to put yourself out there. But then with things like love, we say, oh, it'll just happen when it happens. And with things like, do I want kids or not? We say, oh, I'll think about that someday down the road. I'm focusing on me right now, or I'm working on my career right now. But what if we were just as intentional about our reproductive health and our fertility health as we were about our careers? The reality is women are having children later in life, but biology hasn't changed and we need tools to understand the future of our fertility. That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Now, traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash refined, you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility. You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. 
The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, you need information to make the decision that's best for you. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners at the Refine Collective $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. That means you get the test for $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it would cost you at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. Again, that's modernfertility.com slash refined. And speaking of codependency, <laughs> or <laughs> so another thing that I have realized, and oh, like I don't even want to share this because if it, it feels so embarrassing, mm. and I feel as though to any non Christian listening to this or a non Christian friend, I'm like, buckle up. I am the worst, and I'm really oh. sorry. I'm about to admit this. <laughs> but I think something that I've realized is. I have had really terrible boundaries Mm. with a lot of my friends who do not identify as Christian. Yeah. And the reason being is I was taught, you know, be a witness to the world, you know, share Jesus with people. And so, I mean, you know, my life in New York, most of my friends don't share my faith and Mm -hmm. I wanted it that way. I, I wanted to live a life like Jesus, where he was being friends with the people that wouldn't ever feel safe inside the church. And so that felt like my calling for a really, really long time. And then only in the last, really, I feel like the pandemic has just shaken up all the shit. (laughs) Well, it's really (laughs) revealed a lot. And I think, you know, people are like, it's like the apocalypse. Well, guess what apocalypse means? It means the revealing. And Mm. it has been apocalyptic. It has revealed everything to everyone, yeah. believer or non-believer. So anyway, yeah. keep going. It's shaking yeah, it up. Yeah. It's shaking <laughs> it up. It's revealing. And I think one of the things that revealed to me, mm-hmm. even with some of these friend breakups in the last year is, oh, I bent over backwards for 10 years, five years, 15 mm-hmm. years with this person because I believed that it was my job to share Jesus with them. Right. And ultimately, I think underneath that, I took on the responsibility for being Jesus. Yeah. Well, I'm. what if I'm the only Jesus this person sees, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to be available. So if you can only hang out at 7 a.m. in Greenpoint, in Brooklyn, <laughs> or Harlem, even though that's an hour and a half yeah, away seriously? from me, I will be there. I'm going to be of service. I will let you eat all my food. And it doesn't matter if Mm. the situation, the relationship isn't as reciprocal. I just felt like I'm going to be a consistent person. Mm -hmm. And recently my therapist was like, oh, so you're God. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to say. That's a savior complex. And that's what codependents often do is have a savior Mm -hmm. complex. They don't mean to, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So have you experienced that? And do you, I think even I look back, A, have you experienced that? And do you think that the church can perpetuate behavior like that? Well, absolutely. Or encourage behavior like that? Yeah, I think so. Because what does Jesus do? Like, if we really look at Jesus, yes, he's present for everyone and anyone, but he also sows seeds on the hearts and lives of people, but leaves the responsibility in their court to choose to repent and of their ways and follow him or not. And he, he, I I mean, like I said, he loves everyone. He is wild for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yet 
even Jesus had boundaries. Even Jesus um, stepped away from his disciples to be alone. Even, you know what I mean? And so you have to look at the the tension that Jesus walked in was very different and that there is only one Jesus. So yes, absolutely. Have I had to deal with my savior savior complex and humble myself? Um, I've had to do that with the people that don't follow Jesus in my world and the people that do. And I think it is humbling because you realize, wow, I just let myself be walked all over. I just allowed myself to carry all their issues for them. And I didn't really show them Jesus at all because I Mm -hmm. am not him. And Mm -hmm. what I need to do is get good at attaching people to a real living, breathing savior that is the one that will change their lives, not me. And I think what codependency I have found... So talk about relationships in my life that have burned to the ground or that have Mm -hmm. been dysfunctional friendships. Um, They all come back to... Do you mind if I go to chapter one? Can I go there? I know you were... Yes, I wish you would. Okay. I know we were, you were maybe going to intro that, but the very first chapter in my book is called the woman wound. And oftentimes we talk about father God. We talk about the father wound, how we were fatherless or how issues with our fathers stem for how we even view God. But what about the issues that we have from our mothers? Because all of us can't be on planet earth without a mother and father. And we all have attachment related issues that stem from childhood, but they also all can be healed, which is Mm -hmm. wild and so powerful. And so what I started to do was realize about five years ago, I had a whole bunch of female relationships. Like they just were burning to the ground. And I was like, what Mm -hmm. is going on? And why can't I get it together? I am a grown woman who is leading a church and leading people and writing books and doing all these things and have four kids, but I can't, I can't figure out how to have a healthy girlfriend. (laughs) Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and I started to realize it was codependency issues. It was issues where women would come into my world that needed something. I would step in and there would be a Messiah complex that I was unaware of codependency issues that I was unaware of where I was carrying their things for them but not showing them how Jesus was really the one that could do that job. And what I had to do is go, well, that was where, when I did say this, like the Holy Spirit said to me, hey, Andy, you are, because I I wanted to point the finger and blame everybody else. But that's where I Mm. felt like the Holy Spirit said, you're the common denominator in every relationship you're in. So I had to go back to move forward. And when I really went all the way back, I looked at I mean, my mom and I, it's a huge part of my story. We have this beautiful redeemed relationship that we have both decided to work on. So there's reciprocity from my mother who is doing the work in her own life. And I realize that some of you listening, you don't have a safe relationship with your mother or your father. So there's maybe not reciprocity. You need to do the work in your own life and maybe release them and love them at a distance. But for me, my mom and I have this redeemed relationship. But while I was growing up, Um, now that I know my parents' story, the pain they were walking through was wild and they did the best they could. But I would, um, this is what I would call it, is that I was my mom's emotional mother. So Mm -hmm. she would share things with me from the time I was very little that were completely inappropriate for me to know. She crossed boundaries. She asked me to carry stuff that I was ill-equipped to carry as a child, as a teenager, and even a young adult that were really damaging for me. But I realized that just carried on into my relationships with other women. And so I just was boundaryless because that's what I was taught. Be boundaryless. And yes, you can fix things for people because that's what they expect of you. And then when that just kept blowing up in my face, I went, I got to grow up. I got to figure this out. And so I feel like I just kind of talked all over the place, but I have had to learn how to have boundaries, even though like, honestly, I'm still scared sometimes. I am 43 Mm -hmm. years old. And when I put up a boundary and 
I have this great fear of rejection that Mm. someone will reject me because I put up a boundary and say, I need space or no, I can't fix that or carry that for you. I need you to do the work and that, that I will be rejected. And guess what? I have been rejected and relationships Mm. have changed because of it. But I also have other relationships that have grown a whole lot healthier because of that. So I don't know if I answered your question. Go ahead and ask 20 more questions off of that. But that's kind of where I realized I had codependency and boundary issues with Mm -hmm. people in my world and had to really work on me first. And then the healthy, there's healthy reciprocity that begins to come out of that because you'll attract people in like, I guess is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's so, it's so powerful. And if you're willing and open to share, was there a moment or a specific scenario or friend blow up that you realized I can't go on anymore like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things that one of my coaches said to me years ago is our behavior doesn't change until the price outweighs the reward. Yep. And so, yes, you're having all these friendships blow up, but you were getting a reward from it in some sense. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been doing it. Mm -hmm. And so what was, if there was a breaking point or a specific scenario where you realized... I can't do this. The I'm paying too high of a cost. That's really good. Yes, there was a breaking point. And I do write about it and I would love to share it. So the hit that I was getting, if you will, in my codependency and my need was that these people that were coming into my world, I mean, man, they told me how great I was. They told me, mm. they stroked that need in me to feel like I was meeting a need, that I was I was worthy, that I was someone great, that I was real, that I was genuine, that I, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So then what I had was my best friend of 20 plus years. I'm known her longer than my husband. We met in Spokane together. She was not following Jesus. She began to follow Jesus in our journey together. And we have lived in every city together. She is like my person, right? And I'm hers when it comes to friendship. So long story short, this was the five years ago issue is when I had a few of these relationships burning to the ground, but then when the one with her burnt to the ground, basically what ended up happening is she was the friend who, you know how it tells us in Proverbs, the wounds of a friend, those are the ones that we need to receive because Mm -hmm. they genuinely care about you. She kept throwing warnings my way going, don't let that person in. That person just wants something from you. They're using Mm -hmm. you. They're all of these different things. And she was right 99% of the time. And then I would be like, come back to her, come running back to her, and go, they hurt me. She's like, okay, you're an idiot. You're not listening to me. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to be your friend. And then guess what she did? She said, I'm done with this. She stopped talking to me. We, we literally broke up. We didn't talk for almost a year. And that pain, the pain of losing a woman who has stood by my side through everything at my children being born at my wedding, at the highs and the lows, the deaths and the, the, the losses, the, she didn't go anywhere when everyone would leave. Um, when w- everyone would leave me, this point was a breaking point for her too, and it mm. it made me go, "Something's wrong. I'm, what is wrong with me?" And that was when I started to do the deep work and realized I had codependency issues. I wasn't listening to her. I was rejecting her wisdom, and um, I had to come to her like a year later. It was hard because she didn't she didn't leave our church. I saw her every Sunday. She kept coming along. Like that was big of her to not like walk away completely. And we ended up, I'll never forget it. It was a worship night that we had. And I walked over to her 
and I apologized. And we like held each other and sobbed in the middle of worship mm-hmm. and forgave each other. And then the following night we went out to dinner. And when we both chose to reconcile our relationship, we had to be very clear on our, our we had to speak our expectations of one another. We had mm-hmm. to ask for forgiveness of one another because she had hurt me too. It wasn't all me, but I'm taking ownership on my side of things. There was a lot going on. And we had to sit together and we were both really nervous because we knew like we're choosing to rebuild that which has been broken. And so therefore we have to be clear on our expectations, clear on where we hurt each other, forgive one another and, and be intentional in the building and moving forward. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was really difficult, but you're right. The pain, like I was getting a hit from all these people. And I'll tell you what, my friendship circles have gotten a lot smaller and in a really healthy way. I just realized, wow, like this has been unhealthy for me to try to be be all things to all men when I just can't. And I mm-hmm. have four children and a husband too. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've really had to work on that. But that was the breaking point for me. Man. And what a beautiful redemption story that that is sort of where you guys are at in the story that there's been healing and forgiveness Mm -hmm. and moving forward together in friendship. And one of the questions that I got repeatedly from Instagram was, is reconciliation always the end goal? Oh, good. I love this If you have a friend break up, should the goal to at some point be restored relationship? I, I love this question. And I think it's a really good question because... It is not always the goal. And I'll tell you why. Everything everything is different. What you may realize is when there is a friend breakup, you may realize it was an unsafe relationship, that there are many different things that... Um, there's many different factors in all the different friendships and relationships that we have. Number one is this. Always reconcile things with God in your own heart. So I know not everybody that's listening is a believer or following Jesus, but in every way that you can... Uh, to forgive the person and let them go do that because that will cause you to be healthy. Only if there is reciprocity and there is a desire on both ends for there to be reconciliation, then do that. But there's different layers and levels of reconciliation too. It may Mm -hmm. be a reconciliation conversation, but you both understand that moving forward, this isn't necessarily even a friendship that's going to be what it used to be. It may Mm -hmm. be more like, hey, when I see you, we're at peace. We made peace with one another. I think that's more what it is, making peace and reconciling things so that you can both move forward in health. But that's only if there's a willingness to have the conversation. Um, And then for some relationships that you have, it may be like, man, this is worth fighting for. Like, gosh, I don't want to burn this relationship to the ground. We're both doing the work. We're both trying to be healthy. We just missed each other. Then you can reconcile Mm -hmm. things. So I think it's having the discernment to know uh, where this needs to go. But always, always, always reconcile things in your heart before God. And if you can reconcile things with man to whatever level of reconciliation is healthy and appropriate, um, you are, you're going to have to understand what that is because mm-hmm. you're not always going to be in close relationship with people. And you got to then walk through the grieving process too. Yeah. I think something that I've heard a lot that has been very hard for me, probably because codependency and because I long for I long for that permanence like we talked about is, you know, you'll hear some friendships are for, what is it, for a season, some are for a reason. 
I don't know. There's some sort of rhyme. Summer for a lifetime. I know. I've yeah. heard. I've, I've heard a few different iterations of that. Yeah. Too. yeah, yeah. It's it's on some pillow somewhere. I didn't put it in my book because I thought about it later after it was already published. Like <laughs> friendships are for a season, but I think something that I've thought about is, you know, yes, there are some friendships that are for a season. But I think when you're in that, it can feel really hard. And I think something that I've struggled with is knowing, am I just taking a cop out right now and saying, <laughs> oh, this friendship is for a season. Let's bow out because things got hard. Mm. How do we know or how do we discern this friendship is worth fighting for? Or man, this is a forever friend. Yeah, I think, you know, and mm-hmm. and I'm gonna fight through this. Are there? Do you think there's like qualities to look for in the friendship or things mm-hmm. like notable things? Because one of the one of the questions that was brought in was like, I kind the girl said, I kind of feel like friendship for a season is a cop out to just be a bad friend <laughs> or leave when things get tough and yeah. like have this almost spiritual bypass way of well, right. you know, friendship for a season. Yeah, and I think you do have to know if it's a cop out or not, because it might be, you could, you Mm -hmm. could be right. And I don't necessarily know if there's like a checklist to that, but I think a huge part of, um, even the way I structured this book is the first half is all about facing yourself. And I talk Mm -hmm. a lot about how you need to understand yourself enough to know what you're bringing to the table. And I think what I mean by that is, you know in your own heart if it's a cop out or not. So that's where you have to take ownership. Nobody else can do that for you. So if it is a cop out, because you're like, oh, it's just for a season because you're avoiding a hard conversation mm-hmm. or you're avoiding healthy, godly confrontation, or you are avoiding owning your side of things, then you have to, you have to step up. But and then and then you do have to know, like, I think the hard thing is, is again, because we're all in this swirl still, mm-hmm. as much as like. We name 20, 2020 and 2021, right? There's like the fruit is still coming forth from the shaking, from the pruning, from the the apocalypse, the revealing, everything that yeah. we've just seen. So I think we're still looking at the wreckage right now of our own lives and in our relationships. And we're still all trying to discern, God, what am I supposed to do here to move forward? So um, yeah, I think it's just the two-parter is know yourself. Yeah. And, and know if it's a cop-out. And also, if you know the other person and they're just kind of like done, then it is done. It is for a season. It's over. So, um, but yeah, I don't know if that really answered the question, but I love that that person said that. Maybe it is a cop-out. Yeah. And if it is, like own it and make a, make a different choice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that we all want is the system, the formula, the three hacks. Yeah, <laughs> and we there's do. just not. And I think you made such a good point just now of it starts with me. Yeah. I like every like I am the common denominator in every situation. Every opportunity is an opportunity to grow if I choose it to be. Yeah. And how am I showing up? It's so much easier mm-hmm. to look at the look at the sawdust in someone else's life as opposed to the plank in my own eye, right? Yeah. <clears throat> can I can I say something on that too? Because yeah, I think one of the biggest things I I mean, gosh, uh I think the biggest thing we're confronting here are our belief systems Mm -hmm. and our belief systems are shaped by our wounding and what we believe about those wounds. Because when we're wounded, usually that's when a lie comes in. And from that lie, we create a belief system. And through that belief system, that's the, that's the lens at which we look at all of our relationships. We look at the world, we look at the church. And from those belief systems, that's where we 
we build strongholds and protective mechanisms around ourselves. And from those places where we protect ourselves, even though God is our protector, usually what we're doing is we're, we're making vows back there behind our protective mechanisms going, I'm never going to trust another woman again. I'm never going to trust the church again. And then we start living from our false self. And I think if we, if we can confront our belief systems and where they come from, if we can get healing from our wounding and find out the truth about those wounds and, and, and confront our false belief systems that are navigating our life to a true belief system. It's like this, it's all ownership, but let me tell you, I got all of even that, that whole progression of wounding lies, false beliefs, strongholds, um, vows, and, and, you know, our false self that all came out of me having a major crash about eight months Mm -hmm. ago, where I, I went and checked myself into this amazing place in Colorado called Crossroads. And I did a two week intensive and unraveled so many belief systems that were destroying my relationships around me. So that's where the ownership side constantly comes in, whether that's friendship, whether that's marriage, whether that's any relationship we're in. We are the only one that we can change. And then we have to have the wisdom to know who to let go, who to have boundaries with, all of those sorts of things moving forward. Yeah, Yeah. man. I'm just so impressed with you, Andy, for just being willing to do the work. And I know you're not perfect. <laughs> no. But say, no, I'm going to go to this two... I'm going to go to this place for two weeks and have an intensive. I'm going to go to celebrate recovery. Mm. I'm not perfect. I like. I want things to be differently. I want things to be different. Yeah. I want to take responsibility. Yeah. Um, as opposed to life happening to you, mm-hmm. taking ownership over it. And I think what can happen is in... in and not having the proper tools because the church doesn't often give us a lot of tools. It gives us a lot of like piffy Instagrammable quotes sometimes. Yeah, totally. But it's like, what does that actually mean? And so even what you're saying, like, what are the beliefs underneath the beliefs? Because I say, oh, I believe I'm worthy or God is good or I, everything works out together for those that love God. Mm-hmm. But look at my life based off results, <laughs> based off my actions, based off the what is manifesting in my life relationally, career-wise, financially, what am I actually believing? Yeah. And so I think it also takes a willingness to not disregard these beautiful, true Christian sayings or Bible verses, but being like, okay, that's great and pretty, but what is actually driving the ship here? Exactly. Because if I really believed I was worthy... If I really believe that was differently, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If I really believe that you know God loves all people and it's not my responsibility to save anyone, yeah. Then why am I in this continuous mess? <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that is where, like, this is the thing that I always say to people too: is our heart is always the, out of the issues of the heart. Like, I, I'm why am I? It's Proverbs four. Ah. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's actually a totally different scripture. That's not Proverbs. Um, That's in Matthew and that's talking about fruit. But may the... uh, Matthew 12, 34. There you go. Matthew 12, 34. But Psalm 19, 14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Mm. be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So the meditation of our heart is actually where our belief systems come from. Mm -hmm. So do we meditate on the lies from the wounds or do we meditate on the truth and the healing? And then when that happens, like our belief systems begin to change. So what I want to say is like, your life is like, there's fruit everywhere. So you can tell bad fruit, good fruit. You go, oh my gosh, this is what is coming out of my life right now. Why is that? What cyclical belief do I need to to confront right now and get to the root of? Um, 
And where did that wounding come in and the why? Because this is the thing I tell people to encourage them is when a lie comes in at a moment of wounding, whether that was in your childhood or yesterday, the moment the lie comes in, usually we attach to it and create a belief system, but the, but Jesus is there willing to tell you the truth so you can attach to the truth and create a true, healthy belief system. So yeah. we just, that's where, once again, it's a constant work. It's a daily work. And I think yeah. we just would rather it wasn't work, but it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm just going to quote Ashley Abercrombie, (laughs) our dear friend. She says, being human is hard. It is. Like being human is hard. And this is tough stuff. Mm -hmm. And friendship is hard. Friendship is also beautiful and Mm life-giving and worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. And just such a source of freedom and healing and intimacy and lightness. And so, man... I know that if I've struggled with friendship over the last few years, so many others have as well. And so I'm just grateful for the gift that you are to me, Andy, the gift of our friendship you. you are in my life. And hmm. your awesome book, Friendship. Hmm. It's complicated. Y'all. <laughs> yeah. Y'all. <laughs> but I love you. And yeah, I'm just Seriously, grateful for you. I'm grateful for you too. Thank you for this time. <laughs> what a gem. The one and only Andy Andrew. I mean, you know she's going to have to be a gem if she shares a birthday with Beyonce. Now, one thing that we didn't cover in this episode because of time that I did want to address is how to make meaningful friendships as adults. I mean, that's freaking hard, right? I mean, growing up, it's, oh, I'm best friends with my neighbor or the person that's in my classroom or in high school, the person that's on my sports team or that I'm in choir with or in college, you have this same routines because you're going to class, you're staying up late studying, and then you graduate college and it's as though you're thrown into this abyss of of adulthood where you don't have this free time that you used to have. And it can be really disorienting. I remember for me, when I graduated college, I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I didn't know it was going to be this hard. And so one thing I've been just processing through myself is even for me in the season that I'm in, in a new city, how do I make meaningful friendships as an adult? And for a lot of you, myself included, who are deconstructing a lot in their lives, deconstructing a lot of faith. I am not going to church right now. I'm taking a little space just to figure out what are my deal breakers? What type of community do I feel called to be into? So whereas I used to find most of my friends from church. Now I don't. So how do I meet friends and how do I have meaningful relationships and friendships as an adult? And I honestly don't really have an answer to that. (laughs) I think it's about putting yourself out there. I think it's about (laughs) pursuing friendships and being just as intentional about our friendship life as so many of us singles are about our dating lives, you know? But I also just want to say it's hard and there's not a quick fix and there's not an easy answer. And I want you to know that you're not alone. And I'm saying that to myself right now too. I'm not alone either. So I'm glad you're a part of this community. Thank you for listening to this episode on friendship. If you have more thoughts and questions, reach out on Instagram at The Refined Woman. Also, if you want to be a part of a new solo show series I'm doing called Ask Cat go ahead and email social at therefinedwoman.com with the subject line, Ask Cat, and put a question in there that you would like me to answer on one of my upcoming solo shows. All right, talk to you soon.